Welcome to Liberty Monks Podcast. James Mundy here with Mike Mundy. How are we feeling tonight, Brother Mike? I am in stormy South Florida. How are you, my man? I'm good. Well, it's a little bit rainy here, but uh, sunny most of the day, but I'm feeling great. And we have a great guest in virtual studio. Daquan Bruce is the executive director of Concerned Communities for America. Mr. Bruce wrote the Real Clear Politics op-ed entitled U.S. Spirals Towards Lawless Carnage, BLM and Woke Corporations Silent. Um, which really calls out BLM and Wolf corporations. They've, they've been silent on crime that's taking place in a lot of the major urban cities. And we're going to get into a lot of that tonight with Mr. Bruce. He is passionate about all of these issues. As just four years ago, he was shot near his home in South side of Chicago, which we talked about in pre-show, which was an insane conversation. Um, and the fact that you're still here living and breathing and smiling at us, man, we're just by the grace of God, that is awesome. And looking forward to hearing all about that. And, um, he now runs CCA in hopes of bringing attention to the angst in the black community regarding the grift that is BLM. Daquan, welcome to Liberty Monks, my friend. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be here with y'all. Well, it's, uh, we are his first podcast. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, you know what, dude? We've had one of Mike, many. We've had, we've had um, a couple people recently where it was the first time they've been on like a podcast style type of deal. So I don't know what's in the water, but we feel absolutely grateful that we get this opportunity with you. And in our conversation in, in pre-show, I mean, all the stuff you were saying, all the things we talked about, you know, there's, I think most good people are wanting solutions at this point, man. We want solutions. I've heard enough of these politicians talking about this and that and the reasons why and blaming everybody in America for being bad. No, we need solutions to these issues. And there's an undeniable truth, right? Um, every day we're bombarded with news stories of shootings in New York, subway shootings in Baltimore, multiple shootings in Chicago. And we can go on and on and on about this. Um, what's also undeniable is the truth is that, in, you know, in these cities, they have high crime rates. And the, a lot of these cities are run by liberal Democrats and they have been for decades, right? They have been for decades. And that's just a fact. That's not... We try to stay not, you know, we try to keep things, you know, not partisan and in, th in that nature, because I think this is beyond Republican and Democrat, but you can't deny that situation. So from an outsider's perspective, Daquan, um, it, it certainly seems like these politicians have no interest in solving any of these, you know, especially the, 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 these issues, but the black on black violent crime you know, epidemic that we're seeing. I mean, do you see it that way? Do you think that there's any of these political figures and people in authority that are really trying to solve the problem? Or do you see that it's just to get votes? Honestly, when you when you look at, you know, cities like Chicago, um, I don't I don't see any politicians putting forth real solutions. And that's, you know, at the at the, at the national level, federal mm -hmm. level, uh, even at the state state level. Um, when we talk about local policy politics, you know, that's where you see a lot of the change happening. You see communities coming together, establishing block clubs, establishing neighborhood watches, um, establishing uh, municipal um, forms of, of self-governing government that is, you know, uh, literally by the people for the people um, mm -hmm. in a way that the, the, the state government and the, the mayor, you know, have no real interest in doing that um, and doing it. And, you know, so that, I would say that there, there is some, some change and some movements happening, but the politicians that we see on our TV who, you know, like to, to comment on national politics or, you know, spend time in Texas reading banned books while, you know, people like my family are, are getting killed in Chicago, um, they don't have, a, you know, they're not really doing anything about it. 
What, what do you think is the major reason why? I mean, you know, we've had other shootings and it gets ton of, of media, right? You see, I mean, we saw one happen in Texas. It was horrible. I mean, I don't know how anybody could look at that. I don't know how a human being could do what that person did. But you know what? I think the harsh reality is you see that happening to kids in Chicago and other people, not just kids, but you know, it has right. And, and it's, it's, it's rampant and it's not just Chicago, but that seems to be one of the hot places for these, these things to happen. What do you think is the, the root of this? Honestly, the root is evil, man. Like out, absent of any political, you know, political leanings, philosophical ideas, um, religious differences. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's an it's a problem of evil. Um, it's a condition of humanity and of 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 you know the the sinful nature of of the people that we are. Um, and I think we don't spend enough time talking about the fact that evil is a thing. You know, we like to push the narrative, especially the left likes to push these narratives that, you know, all good and evil are subjective um, and that, you know, there is no real such thing as absolute truth. However, you know, you can't discount the fact that absolute truth comes from God. And if if there is an absolute truth of good then there is an absolute truth of evil. And we have to acknowledge that, 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 you know, the sweet kid that you that you grew up with could be could be an evil person, could have evil thoughts, could have a desire to hurt people. Um, and instead of rewarding that, we need to nip that in the bud. We need to have, you know, strict policies in place that, that, that have penalties that are uniform for wrongdoing. We need to have programs that allow people to be re- rehabilitated instead of, you know, slapping them on the wrist and let wrist and letting them go home without really looking into the root cause of their, you know, ailment, whether it's a mental illness, mm-hmm. whether it's a, a, a rough upbringing or what have you. Um, we don't spend a lot of time talking about that. Um, and then on the political side of things, you know, we have a, 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 a party, especially in the context of Chicago, that has held control for decades, like you said, um, and have made millions and created an entire system and establishment off the backs of, of, the, of the people. You know, they profit from our pain and allow organizations like Black Lives Matter, Global Network Foundation, um, and others throughout the decades to, you know, profit uh, again and again. And this creates this, this dangerous cycle where anytime people speak up and people, you know, seek out real solutions, you know, if, if, if we don't fit that narrative, that, that, that line that they want us to be in, then our voices aren't heard. And in fact, we're demonized, we're, we're considered an, an, an other um, and against the establishment for just trying to help and save our people. And I think that's wrong. And I think we need to, we need to start addressing those, those ideas and those facts about why these, these things prevail. No, I couldn't agree with you more. And it seems like, you know, like you have, you mentioned these politicians and how they've been in control. A lot of these, these major cities for quite a while, we talked about the decades and decades, right? I mean, what could be the motivation for politicians like Lori Lightfoot in Chicago to keep this violence among black Americans going? What could be that motivation in your, from your perspective? Control. It, it, it's, it's all a matter of control. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, fortunately I will say that um, I've seen over the last couple of years, many people waking up to the reality that, that, you know, the, these, these super far progressive, progressive, um, Democrat mayors um, of Chicago have no don't have the people at heart. 
we, we saw it with Rahm Emanuel. Um, and, and now we're, we're, we're really seeing it with Lori Lightfoot. You know, they come to push an agenda and that agenda is not the agenda of the people. No, it's not the agenda of the people because, I mean, everybody we talk to, um, identity, you know, regardless of, regardless of race. Right. And I think, I think that's been a big issue. You know, I think, uh, you know, uh, there was a, uh, you know, I don't know if you know G. Edward Griffin is, he's an author and historian. Mm-hmm. He wrote some, you know, he wrote a creature from Jekyll Island and he did something back in 1969 talking about basically about communism and about Marxism and about how one of the ways that you can take down a nation is especially like America, which is just a strong foundation of freedom and liberty here, right? That's what we seek. That's why people come here. That's why you see people trying to get here. Um, that, you know, that especially people that are of different races, black and white, were intentionally divided, intentionally, meaning fabricated, meaning, you know, you have people in positions that will ignite those fires. When in reality, I think most people inherently look at each other and we all accept one another. I know, I know here we do. And I, and everywhere I see in our community, there is no conversation about racism. I mean, that isn't, that doesn't cross anybody's mind that I even know. You're either and, a good person or you're a bad person. Right. It doesn't matter. Right. right? It's either good <laughs> or you're bad. It's, it's your point, Daquan, you're either evil or you're not. You're either, mm-hmm. you're either walking with Christ or you're walking with the other, per, the other one. And, exactly. And so from that perspective, you know, you know, you have also, you have great women, strong women like Candace Owens that are really trying to change things. Um, people like you that are trying to change things. How much do you think this has been designed? You know, and I, and I hate to say it that way, but it seems like things have been designed to make it difficult in these cities, especially for African-Americans. Do you see it that way? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, there, there are many there are many instances in history that we can point to um, to show how, you know, hate, divide, the division, um, and even, you know, to, to an extent, genocide mm-hmm. um, of, of communities across the U.S. have been designed and, ma- and manufactured um, throughout the years. I, you know, when you say that, I think about, you know, the topic of abortion. You know, we, we, yep. we, look, at, we look at abortion and, you know, there has been this narrative that the left has come to to adopt that a fetus is just a clump of cells, you know, and, and that narrative has shifted and distorted people's views and, and and understanding of life and what it means for life to begin, um, you know. But then another way, a deeper way, you know, we talk about you know preserving quote unquote a, woman, a woman's right to choose when the the main purveyor of this this uh, form of genocide. Planned Parenthood was created and conceived as part of the eugenics uh, eugenic society. This was a government-funded and government-run program led by Margaret Sanger, who, who we all know how evil she is, and people like to say, oh, she didn't say that, and that was taken out of context. And we're like, come on, guys. Like, like the history the history book shows what she, what, what she really thought. Yeah. Um, no, she called, she but, called Blacks, Jews, and, his, and Hispanics yeah. uh, human weeds, if I recall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and you know, literally created a program to exterminate the black population and other minority populations in the country, you know, and yet we, we have come, many people have come to accept, you know, this institution because they offer other services than abortion. And because, you know, you know, they, they, they put out um, um, research 
that says, oh, abortion only makes up a small percentage of the services that we offer. And, and you know, if that, that, that's ridiculous. You know, if, if, if you had a religion that said, oh, oh, violence and genocide is only, uh, it's only one subsect of what we do, would, would, would you not, want, would you just join it blindly? Would you say, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, will, will, we, will we accept Islam? <laughs> you know, when people come to us and say, oh, you know, that's only 1% of what we do. Well, if it's a tenet of what you do, then it's wrong. You know, if you're advocating, if you're built on a foundation of killing someone who is not like you because they are not like you, that's evil. That's fundamentally wrong. Um, And these narratives have been manufactured and pushed throughout our communities. And as we, we grow farther and farther apart, more divisive, people tend to hang on to those ideas and those beliefs because it makes them feel a part of something. Um, but understanding that they that they're attaching themselves to the wrong thing, um, and and you know that that goes many different ways. You you can you can you can unpack that in so many different areas. Um, but I would say another another form of of manufactured division um, is just in the when we look at the Civil Rights Act of 1964, um, when it was signed into law, you had the president on record stating that. You know, with this bill for the next, you know, few decades, I believe he said, like, mm-hmm. I think he said like 20, 50 years, um, we have secured the quote unquote N-word vote, um, you know, for, for this, this Democratic Party. If, if, if that's not, you know, a, a, a strategic plan to blindly manipulate a group of people by giving them essentially what they want, but at a cost. You know, I, I don't really know what is. Um, and, and that's what we have. We have political parties and, and political leaders who do things for us in a seemingly altruistic way, but it's all for an end goal. It's all for a manipulative, manipulative reason. And now you have it where many Black people in communities like the one I grew up in supported the Democratic Party, supports the Democratic Party, because in their eyes, they view them as the party that is doing something for them. They're the party of handouts. They're the party that that when I when I cry, you know, they're gonna you know have have the big blanket and and the ice cream and the yogurt, you know. But in reality, they're doing this to manipulate you. They're doing this so that you can when they when they you know wash your hand, you're gonna wash their hand. You know, you're gonna wash their feet even. You're gonna do more uh, for them uh, in the in the terms of giving up your vote, thus giving up your voice, thus giving up your freedom. Yeah, no, I, that's an it's a it's a great point, and you know I never quite got my arms around this because it seems like you know to 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 look at a group of people, you know, regardless of race, color, creed, whatever, and to say, oh, you 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 can't do it on your own. You're going to need our help. To me, that is as racist as you can possibly be. Who, who are you to say that this? talented person who cares what color they are can't go out and be anything they want to be and i mean if you constantly beat that into a community if you constantly if that's constantly the message eventually don't you think they just start people just start believing it exactly exactly you know i remember uh growing up in school and you know that there were and there were real issues you know there were people from the state from the state Mm -hmm. who would come and evaluate you know the students and you later find out, you know, that that those were uh, individuals who who you know work in insurance, but also individuals who who work uh, in the criminal justice system. And they're profiling. They're 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 trying to figure out which students are 
are likely or how many students are likely to uh, end up in prison, right? And when you when you tell a, a group of people that that's what they're going to go, eventually they believe it. I remember also in high school, um, my very first day of, of high school, right? You're scary, scary time. We go to the auditorium and we're sitting in an auditorium and I believe it was a teacher or someone who, who, who told us, they said, look to your left, look to your right. Half the people in this room will not be here when you graduate. Um, and, and then they went on for the, to the went on and on about the various reasons why, you know, some kids would fail, some kids would drop out, some kids would transfer to a different school. But the reality is that 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 not all of you are going to succeed in life. And that's what essentially I gathered from those statements, right? Is that statistically, because this is a, a more predominantly black high school in a, in a lower income area, we're we're just going to concede that that you're you're all not going to be successful. Um, and, and, and unfortunately, they were right. Many of the kids, I started out high school with 800 kids, um, graduated with roughly half of that. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's a sad reality, but we, we've seen there are endless studies that when you constantly tell a thing, not just a person, not just an animal, but when you tell something that it is, it is something that it, it is not designed to be, um, eventually it will start behaving and thinking that it is that thing. You know, and I mean, you can look at the study on um, on plants. You know, they tell you talk, you know, speak yep. positive affirmation to your plants and they'll grow larger. Right. The same is true for people. You know, we if we are seeds of our parents, well, seeds need you know, you need the basics to grow. But you also need that positive affirmation that 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 uh, freedom to choose where you're going to go, choose what you're going to be. But then also that 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 hand that said, hey, look, I'll guide you. But I'm not going to, you know, dictate what 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 you, you know, decide to be, who you decide to become. Um, but I'm going to make sure that you have every opportunity, just as everyone else. And that's something that our government is not doing. We want to create handicaps, and and you know, we want to oppress others for the advancement of others. But we don't need that. We just need an equal playing field. You know, give everybody the freedom and the space to to do it, and then step away. Yeah, our government has a problem of that. We don't want to step away. <laughs> but no. Rush Limbaugh coined that the soft bigotry of low expectations. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Sure there, there was a. Um, um, it's escaping me now, but um, there's a, a a school district. I want to say in Michigan, um, and I and I, I usually will have like the facts and figures in my head and the specific names. But um, there was a school district, I read an article the other day, where they were looking to implement a new form of grading for specifically for Black students. Um, and this new form of grading would, would not take into account attendance. It, um, it wouldn't take into account um, failed tests. Students, Black students would get an a, a, a automatic like automatic credit just for turning in an assignment, not in case it's right, not, not looking at it if it's right or wrong um, and things like that. And then, you know, if a black student got in trouble for something, they would, they, they would have less severe punishments. Right. And I, and I was, I was speaking to some friends about it and I was like, you know, is, is, is that the biggest tree of low expectations is you're, you're, you're essentially saying that the black students in this community aren't smart enough. They aren't capable enough. Yep. They, they, they are, uh, you're telling them that they're lazy and they can't be on time. 
you're telling them that that they're stupid and they can't do the work at the same level as their non-white, I mean, non-black uh, counterparts. Mm -hmm. And that is in itself is inherently racist. You're, you're disadvantaging, yeah. you're disenfranchising this group and giving them the low expectations. And then, you know, uh, then going to be, we're going to be surprised when they perform at a, at a, at a low level, well, when, they, when, they, when they black to, literacy rates are below, are below average. They have to create um, dependency on the government. So exactly. can't, have them, can't have them succeed. You have them uh, need that paycheck or need that welfare check. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's and, and to your point, this is the predictive programming, right? If you tell somebody or anything, to your point, even plants enough things, eventually it's, it stunts their growth, their maturity, their their ability to think outside of what they've been told they, they are, but they're not that. It's absolutely mm -hmm. insane. And like we talked about before, if we were united, this is the thing. Mike and I talk about this all the time because of G. Edward Griffin's, I think it's called More Deadly Than War. It's a If anybody wants to look at that, we can put the link in the description. It's fascinating because he talks about the intent behind this. Because mm -hmm. if, if all racist colors and creed in this country were united together as, an, as ambassadors for Christ and ambassadors for freedom, they could never beat us. And they know it. Absolutely. They know they could do it, which is why they get everybody riled up and against each other which is just sick and demented and twisted. And the thing is, to your point, and I'm glad you're on talking about this because we have to wake people up in every Absolutely. community because this is none of this is true. None of this is true. Everybody on this earth was created in, in his likeness, right? In the father's likeness. And so, you know, none of this is by accident from where I sit. How about you? <laughs> Absolutely. Like this is, this is all planned. Nothing, nothing, nothing is by accident. I remember... You know, my mom, she always would, she always would say, um, you know, if it's God's will, it'll happen. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and if, and if anything, you are made perfect in God's eyes. Right. Um, and not a lot of people understand the, the truth and then the freedom that comes with understanding who you are in Christ. Um, it's, it's something that, that we want to, we want to glaze over and we want to, you know, water down. But there is a level of freedom of understanding who, who we are and who God has called us to be in this world. Um, and it, but there's also a responsibility with that. There's a burden to, to call out injustice, not just in our other people, but within, our, within ourselves, to call out the negative things that we, that we, we notice about ourselves um, and then do the same to the people around us. Um, and we have, a, we have a culture that's increasingly getting more individual to the point where it's like, you do you, I'll do me, you know, God loves us, amen, right? But like, no, like there's a responsibility attached to salvation. Um, and we all have, have to take up that mandate. And, you know, if that means that our government is, 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 is doing the wrong thing, if our leaders are doing the wrong things, we have to stand up and call them out. Well said, man, very well said. And so and now we have even more, you know, groups that are trying to divide. And again, on the surface to a lot of people, you have a look group like Black Lives Matter. Of course that matters. <laughs> As does every other human life. Every other human life on this planet matters. That was, that was a good marketing ploy. It's a, it a good name. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and again, of course, yes. But at the same time, you know, we have group these groups and, and BLM is one of them that's pushing these politicians to defund police or eliminate police departments and mm -hmm. literally all together. So, you know, I mean, does BLM speak for the citizens in these high crime areas? <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I, I want to make it clear that that, 
you can say black lives matter. Like we all believe that, Absolutely. you know, um, but there's a, there's a difference between understanding the value and the sanctity of a human life and using a person's death to advance a political agenda um, and using this sentiment to advance a, a, a Marxist and a, and a, a self-serving agenda. Um, they are not the same thing. Uh, and just because they, they have that as a name doesn't mean that they speak for every black life that's out there. You know, there are people on the ground and, and, and I want, I'll, I always strive to use the platform of Concerned Communities for America to highlight the work that's actually being done in our communities. There's a, a pastor and a, and a, and a, you know, a, a distant mentor of mine. His name is Pastor Corey Brooks. Um, he's been sleeping on the, the, the roof of his church for almost 200 days trying wow. to raise money for a community center to in the, in the same area where I grew up, in the same area where, where kids are being killed daily. And he's trying to do the work that BLM claims that they, that they support in our communities. However, BLM has never once reached out to him. They've never once you know, at, you know, supported, funded the work that he's doing when his organization, Project Hood, which stands for um, help, help, help creating economic opportunity and destiny. When Project Hood was established, you know, the area that it was in was infested with drugs, was, was um, overrun with, with homicide. There was no community unity. You know, the people were everyone, everyone was doing their own thing, right? And really just trying to survive. And Pastor Brooks steps into the community. He plants a church. And in planting a church, he created an organization that brought, you know, ex-gang members, offenders, and, and drug addicts and, and, and potential, you know, murderers off the street and taught them a trade and helped them figure out their identity in Christ, but also helped them, you know, have ownership in the, in, of the community and responsibility for the lives that are in their community. That's an organization that's that 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 is showing the promise that Black Lives Matter. Or you got, you know, in California, you got Reverend E.W. Jackson, who is literally each and every day through his uh, program, Awakening Hearts and Minds, chronicling the lives lost of innocent children as a result of BLM's activism. You know, the, he, wow. he has thousands of stories of children who's lost their lives. And what he's trying to do is to help the families, but promote the violence and the, 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 uh, the another infanticide that's essentially happening as a result of this organization that claims to speak for the black community. They don't care about the voices of these children. They don't care about the voices of the people in Chicago. They only care about the voices of the individuals whose death they can profit on. And we, we don't need another one of those. We don't need more of that in our communities. This has been a grift that has changed, you know, the, the, the face of philanthropy in the black community, because now you have so many organizations that are skeptical of supporting the work of these organizations on the ground. There's so many more. There's mm -hmm. the Cure Network. There's Project 26 uh, Chicago. You know, they're, 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 there's so many other organizations that are actually helping the black community. And, and it, you know, if you can tell, I'm kind of getting a little riled up because I love it. You know, when we talk about when we talk about, you know, how to, you know, save our community and, and, and not just the black community, when we talk about every community, mm -hmm. there is so many, there are so many people who are genuine in their desire to help, their desire to change things. Um, 
and and they give so much of themselves. Um, you know, I, I, I just think about, you know, my family. Um, one of the things that we talked about a little bit, me being shot, three months after I was shot, my cousin was 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 murdered in the alley of the um next to our church we grew up in. Oh, man. My cousin and I, we were raised as brothers. And and that took a hard hit, you know. But there was there were people in our community, my mom as one, who from these tragedies that we all are experiencing, changing, trying to change people are out there trying to change things. You know, my mom started an organization to to help mitigate, you know, the um potential losses in our communities by teaching young people entrepreneurship. I founded CCA with the, uh, with the same type of, of, of vision of a community that, that is united and you know, by our common values and not by separated by our political ideas, by our, our differences that the, the country as a whole seeks to use to tell us that, hey, if you believe one thing politically, you aren't black. You know, all black people have to believe this. All black people have to support the anarchy uh, on our streets that our government is giving us. You know, and, and saying all that to say is that, you know, we have to find a way to come together and unite beyond, you know, just these 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 sensational sentiments. Um, and understanding that for black lives to matter, all lives have to matter, right? And that means that when there's injustice in the black community, we all are going to come together and we're going to call it out, yeah. regardless of who the who the purveyor of that injustice is and how rich they are and how famous they may be. And when there's injustice in the, the Hispanic communities, we're going to come together. We're going to solve this, these problems. We're going to we're going to work together to call out those those purveyors of that injustice. And the same thing with every other community there is. On, no, on that topic, what goes through your head when you hear Joe Biden tell Charlemagne that you ain't black? If you, I mean, what? I guess educate us. What, what goes through your mind? Uh, some of the things that go through my mind, I'm not at liberty to say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but it is it, it it takes me honestly. It, it invokes a sense of PTSD in me from you know just as I was awakened to my conservative views. Uh, which was a, a process. It was a long process. Um, but as I was awakened to it, I, I was extremely vocal about it. And and for me, you know, I don't, I, as is when I was younger, I would always just like have these conversations with the people. Because my view is if, if you can change a person directly, you know, with a conversation, then then that's a, 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 a direct impact. I'd rather have that direct impact uh, than just, you know, yell into the ether about it. Um, but when I tell you, I had so many people calling me Uncle Tom, call, telling me that I'm not, that I want to be white, that, that I hate black people, all this stuff, because I had conservative views, right? It, it, it made me feel as though like I didn't belong in my, in my skin and in my community. Um, Which is what I, their I desire this, was. That, was. that was their intention. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking, of, thinking about when, in 2016, I was working um, on a U.S. Senate race in Louisiana, and you know we were we were at it was uh, election day, so GOTV time, and I got my 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 volunteers were out sign waving, um, and I'm holding a sign for my candidate, um, and a lady, a black lady, stops her car in the middle of traffic, and one of my one of my um, volunteers was holding another sign that had it was a candidate sign, and then it had a Trump pin sign that she likes pinned to the bottom of it. Um, 
the lady stops her car, black lady stops her car in the middle of traffic. And she gets out of her car and she goes, you MF or you are MF and traitor. You, 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 you hate, why you hate black people, all this stuff. And I'm like, one, I'm not holding the Trump sign. I'm, I'm just holding my candidate sign. Uh, I got hundreds of people around, you know, dozens and dozens of volunteers around. Um, and she just like goes off and, and starts telling me off about, you know, how, how I'm supporting racism and I'm, you know, anti-black and that, you know, she should have her husband come and beat me up and all this stuff. And, and I was just like, are you serious? Are you serious? And then the irony in that moment was that it was the white lady who was with me who stood up and defended me um, as I'm just listening to this woman rant. And she begins to tell the lady things about me that this lady didn't know. You know, the, the, the fact that, you know, I'm you know, born and raised in Chicago. The fact that, you know, I had a nonprofit and at the time that was supporting black children. That, and she asked, like, she said, what have you done for the black community? You know, what, 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 what are you doing to advance your community? You just, you yelling at this man and you don't even know, you don't even know his life. You don't even know what he's done. You don't even know that he's employed, he's employed black children from all around the state of Louisiana, giving them an opportunity to get a, 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 a um, to get a, a um, financial, you know, get money, make money in campaigns, mm -hmm. but then also get the experience under their belt. Like, and you're yelling at him because you don't like the candidate. Like, like what is that? And then a few weeks later, when, when pictures came out, uh, um, um, pictures were posted on social media, I had so many people, so many people commenting on my photos, you know, you know, telling me that, 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 that if I ever come back to Chicago, they're going to kill me. Uh, I had a family wow. member call me up and, and, and uninvite me from a Thanksgiving dinner that I had no intention of ever going to. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. I, I had I had friends, friends, you know, who I grew up with, who was like, oh, you know what, that, you know, he always loved white people. So, you know, that 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 makes sense. You know, he, he's a traitor, all these things. And so to hear the president of the United States, or the, the candidate candidate president at the time, tell people that if they don't vote for him, a white man, that they aren't black, I was baffled. I was, I was taken back to all those different scenarios. And honestly, that was one of the things that turned me completely off from, from Biden, the race yeah. baiting. You know, I'm like, we don't, we don't need more of that in the White House. And the, he showed us who he was then. And honestly, it did, when he got in the White House and things started going south, it didn't surprise me. You know, I'm like, um, um, you know, um, I'm terrible with names, um, but Maya Angelou, uh, actually, she said that when a person shows you who they are, believe them. And I'm telling you that, that I, I take that in every part of my life, every area of my life. When someone shows you who they are, believe them, because if you believe them then and there, yeah. it's going to save you a whole lot of heartache, a whole lot of drama. Um, you won't have to you won't you won't be surprised when they when they get into you know, your life. And things start to go bad. They start to ruin it. You get ten dollars gas prices. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're on borderline of a war. You know, it's it's just you know going into a recession. Like we shouldn't have been surprised. Now I, I know it's been downplayed by the media, but what is the level of the awakening happening in the black community? I know we're never going to hear the truth, obviously, but people like you and obviously and Candace Owens, as Jamie mentioned before, what is the actual awakening happening? Is it is it actually large enough to make a difference? I think so. Yeah. I think so. We have some tremendous black leaders. And my my only wish 
and and the desire that I have to launch an initiative with CCA to promote them um, is that they would just step up and that they would that they would um, instead of doing the work in the background like we are so used to that they would come to the foreground um, and be vocal about what they're doing and what it takes to change our communities. You know, we have amazing members of Congress like Senator Tim Scott, um, a, a, a man I really look up to. You got Representative Byron Donalds, you know, who who literally has a story of, of, of transformation, right? And an awakening. You have Burgess Owens. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have leaders like Pastor Mark Little, like Ken Blackwell, like, you know, Bruce Lavelle, like these amazing men um, and the women are out there too that mm-hmm. are doing it. And, and, the, and the best thing about it is that they cross generations. You know, so if you want to look for a, 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 a boomer who's, who's really making an impact in the community and, and striving to change the narrative, you have that. If you want a Gen, a Gen X, you know, who's out there doing that, you, we have that. If you want a millennial, you got me, you got people like Rob Smith, yeah. um, you know, who are out there change, trying to change the hearts and minds of the people. Um, and if you, want them, if you want Gen Zers, we got those too. We got Christian Walker. You know, we, we got um, uh, uh, Pearson, I forget his, his first name, but there are so many people who, uh, who are out there, you know, kid like Jalen Johnson, who's the youngest elected uh, city commissioner in his hometown, you know, who is really a young conservative black man out there serving the people. And he has the mission that, you know, the policies that politics that matters is local politics. And so yeah. every option, he had the option to work in DC, he had the option to work in working um, on the Trump administration, but he chose to to put his effort and his time in serving his community back home. And you know the awakening is happening. I think it's I think it's bigger than we than the media will ever cover and the media will ever like to um, to discuss. Um, but you know that's that just puts it on me and others, especially here at CCA, um, to get the word out there. Well, and you, and you had, uh, we talked in pre-show a little bit about something that happened to you. I mean, you, you experienced the violence in Chicago. You were shot in the abdomen twice, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just, just literally out of nowhere. Just described, if you don't mind, just describe to us what happened that night and just your thoughts around that experience. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we got enough time for the whole experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, but essentially, you know, I had just finished up um, my internship in D.C., and I decided to go to grad school. So I had to come home for a couple of days and um, I was home. I was you know, running errands for my grandmother and got home. The whole family was outside. So I decided to, you know, spend an evening hanging out with my family, my little cousins, you know, my my aunt and uncle. Um, and, and then my grandmother was out there as well. And, you know, we're just enjoying a day outside with the family, uh, kids running around. Um, and I remember I picked my little cousin up and just as I put her down, I heard two loud bangs and, you know, I felt smoke. Um, and I kind of thought it was a firework. So I looked around, I was like, is somebody throwing fireworks? Like, why, why do I feel smoke in my hands right now? Um, and then my uncle, I remember my uncle standing up and he looked, he looked down the street 
And he just yelled. He was like, they're shooting, they're shooting. And I heard two more and two more bangs. And I smelt more smoke. My hands were shaking. Um, but I didn't know, you know, that I was shot at that moment. I, I turned to run into the house and I stumbled over myself um, as I was grabbing my little cousin because I couldn't feel anything from the waist down. Um, so I, I get into the house and, um, you know, I'm, you know, I get in, I lay on the floor and I turned around and just realized that there was just blood everywhere. Um, and at that moment, my reaction was, oh, I got shot. <laughs> and literally in, in that, that joking, you know, kind of surprised manner. But, you know, the amazing thing that happened in that in that moment was instantly everything slowed down, like literally time just really began to move in slow motion. And as I'm looking around in the room and I see my, my family, everyone's doing something different. You know, the kids are crying, you know, people are panicking, all these things. I felt the presence of God just rest right on top of me. Like it felt wow. as though like I was, I was having someone just like lay gently over on top, over top of me. And I, and I heard it clear as day, you're going to be okay. Um, and, and instantly I was at ease and I knew I was all right. I didn't know the extent of my injuries. I didn't know where the bullets had gone. I didn't even know I was shot uh, multiple times. Um, but by the time we got to the hospital, I was, I was completely peaceful. Um, and, and it took a couple of days. The doctors didn't know the extent of the, of the injuries. And by the time I got to the hospital, my, my uh, body had swelling up um, in a response. So they couldn't get me into you know, the CT scan and all that stuff. So it, there was a period of about a, a, about a day or two where they just had to keep me prepped for surgery. Because they were like, at any moment, you know, we may have to take you into emergency surgery until we can figure out the extent of these injuries. Um, you know, and so for those days, I don't know, I just, I just knew that I was okay. And, you know, my family, my whole community were there. They told me that when I arrived, by the time I arrived to the ER, which felt like it was very fast, but apparently it took a while, um, there were more than 60 people in the ER waiting for me that refused to leave family, friends, community members. Um, my, my senior pastor at the church I grew up in, you know, all these people who were there for me, um, you know, and, and having them there, you know, reassured me that it just reassured what I already knew that like, I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be fine. Um, and so, you know, I, I went through and a couple of days later, later, the doctor found out that um, one bullet broke my hip in four places. The other one um, cascaded down from my abdominal wall and uh, shattered my pelvis into several tiny pieces. Um, but, you know, by the grace of God, the pieces didn't move out of place. So it was like, you know, when you, when you, when you break a tile uh, with a hammer, yeah. just like it breaks, but it, everything's still there. Mm -hmm. uh, that was kind of, that was me, um, you know, wow. broken, but still there. Um, and so, you know, I had to learn how to walk again. Uh, that was painful. It was an ordeal. Uh, but it, I was so grateful that, that that was all that that was there. And so, you know, I'm here today. Um, and I'm happy to happy to be here. <laughs> Man, that is holy cow. That is absolutely incredible to hear. I mean, and then the, the, to just the description you had of just feeling like God was there with you and 
that is just that is just incredible, man. Uh, I pre thank you for sharing that because I think th- people need to hear the realness, the realness, and the rawness of this. Right, that this is the type of stuff that's happening. And and again, for for what? Just out of nowhere, right? I mean, could it have been nowhere. targeted? Maybe, but you don't know that, right? You don't know mm-hmm. who did this. They don't. They never caught these folks. Did they, they never found them? They never found them. And 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 I would say this, and this is always a hard subject when I when I tell my story to people they all they they always like you know did they find the guys like what did you do what is you know how did you retaliate and all these things and you know the cemeteries are full of people who good people who in the time of tragedy decided to retaliate yeah and I realized you know sitting in the emergency room like not even an hour after I've been shot I realized that the best way for me to recover the best way for my family to heal from this, from this time was to forgive. And I forgave the guys, you know, who did it, never seen them, never know. I I still to this day don't know who it was, but I made a moment to forgive them, not for them, but for me, because if I would have held on to that, Mm -hmm. if I would have let, you know, that anger and unforgiveness fester in in me, it would have hindered my recovery, uh, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Um, and I was like, it's, you know, their failed attempt at taking my life is not worth it. Um, I'm still here. So let that be, you know, the, the big, you know, in your face um, <laughs> uh, to them and, and let them, yeah. you know, let them have whatever feelings that they would have about, about that. Um, and so, you know, that, that forgiveness, people, people underestimate the power of it. You know, when you, when you are able to forgive someone, for the wrong that they've done to you or, or, you know, even forgive yourself for what you may have done for others. Um, it frees you up in a, in a way that many people will never understand, especially those who don't know Christ. Yeah. Well, and now you're taking action right now. You're making a difference in communities. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the thing, one of the questions, and I know we're running up against our time with you. And, uh, but one of the things we wanted to know from you is that, you know, you have this amazing, amazing uh, community or organization, um, Concerned Communities for America. What what motivated you to join CCA? You know, it was it, it was mainly the opportunity to be a part of touching the lives and the hearts of of people of the community that I belong to, the community that I care so deeply about, um, and then having a an ecosystem of partners, of, of leaders who share the same vision and want, want to be a part of, the, of a larger cause bigger than themselves that, that really cemented the vision for CCA for me. Um, you know, it's amazing. You know, we're, we're a new organization. We're, we're really just starting out. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're about to launch a bunch of social media. We're about to launch um, a, a, a campaign to bring education to these woke corporations that supported, um, the, the, the recklessness and the carnage that was sponsored by BLM. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, we do, we're going to be doing things that will be seen as controversy, but in an effort to pull back the curtain and show the reality of the political climate that we are in, that, that the left you know, the progressive elected left has led us to uh, in the hopes of bringing people together. And, and, you know, I couldn't be prouder of the work that we are doing 
of the team that we are that I'm building here. Um, you know, it's 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 growing slowly but surely, but it's it's exciting. Well, it's very exciting to hear this too. And um, I, and again, I know we're up against our time. This has been eye opening, and um, we're grateful for your perspective. First, first, anything you'd like to leave us with, and then also where can people find out more information about the great work that you're doing uh, with, with CCA? Absolutely. I, I think it's always, always good to end, you know, with a, a unifying message, but I am not a preacher. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't have that for you. <laughs> but I, I, honestly, I, I would just say that, you know, we are, you know, our, our country is, is better when everyone, regardless of your political idea, ideology, regardless of your, you know, orientations and, and preferences, when we unite to fight injustice, when we unite um, against, you know, radicalism that threatens the foundation of our democracy, of our republic. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, if you believe in family values, if you believe in creating a level playing field where everyone has an opportunity to thrive, to succeed. Um, and if you believe in, in the value of a faith-centered, uh, faith-centered community, then you, know, you should join into the work that we are doing at CCA um, and, and that other organizations are doing to support their communities, um, whether that's you know, an investment of your time or your resources um, or just you know, your prayers, uh, all are needed. Um, and all are valued. Um, you know, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid if people are going to say, you know, oh, you know, you're an Uncle Tom, uh, or if they're going to say, you know, you know, why, why are you, you know, loving this this group over this group? And it's like, hey, we're called to love everybody. So let's let's love everybody. Let's work together and let's advance, you know, the common good here. Um, and if you want to be involved, if you want to join us, uh, you can reach us at concerncommunities.org. Um, we're on Twitter. Uh, launching soon at CC4A, um, and then um, we're on um, on Instagram at Concern Communities. Um, yeah, so we're happy Beautiful. to engage <laughs> with everybody. Awesome, awesome man, very cool. Uh, ConcernCommunities.org. Uh, any of the links, um, uh, Daquan, that you'd like to share with us, we were going to put in the description and make sure that it's visible and that people can go and click on those. So whenever some of those become live please let us know, shoot us an email. We'll make sure that we add those to the description so that people can go check out your great work. And I just got to tell you, man, um, I just am so grateful. And by the grace of God, you were, we, we found an opportunity to talk to you. And I'm so glad that we did, man, because your testimony, your, your words, everything that you just said, I really hope that it inspires people to, to a look at the, what your group, what great work you're doing, but also to Listen, it doesn't matter where you come from. We're all in this together and we Absolutely. all have to go and, and stand united together. And that, that cannot be stressed enough. And I just greatly appreciate the fact that you're, uh, that you're, that you're doing what you're doing, trying to, to unify people with your message. And thank you so much for that. Yeah. Thank you. This was a fantastic you know, time talking with y'all. Uh, hopefully we can do it again. Sometime. Absolutely, man. We would uh, do, we'd love to have you back on. Um, and it, you're always welcome here with us. And, um, I just want to say, God bless you, uh, Mr. Bruce, God bless the work that you're doing. Um, God bless all of you beautiful souls out there listening. We appreciate you more than, you know, and God bless America. Um, until next time, be safe and well, and everyone have a great evening.